0: I wonder how many of you brought your Bible with you. Will you hold up the Word of God for uh, just a minute? And then I want to ask you to take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to the Old Testament, to the book of Psalms, chapter 126 tonight. Psalms, chapter 126, and I'd like to read a couple of verses here. I'll ask you to leave your Bibles open and... Follow me along here for just a few minutes here. I have an Old Scofield Bible. If you do, that's page number 663 in the Old Scofield Bible. And I want to lay out something that the Lord has put on my heart this year and just talk to you a little bit about that. And uh, maybe, who knows, maybe you want to join in with me in this endeavor and uh, this year as we move into this uh, brand new year. Again, I want to thank you for coming. Now, don't forget... Don't forget, Wednesday night, we're kind of back. last couple of weeks, we've been on Tuesday night because of of, uh, Christmas and then New Year. So we're back now on Wednesday night for our service. And uh, so I want to encourage you to be here at 7 o'clock on Wednesday night. And to show up first Wednesday night of the year, just like the first Sunday, be in church. Well, we got a good crowd tonight, too, and I appreciate you coming. I hope this will just be your plan. Every Sunday, Sunday night, show up in church, and the Lord will bless you for your life and bless you for your faithfulness, I know. All right, Psalms 120. By the way, let me tell you this. We had a good day on our church buses today, a good day. Our, most of the public schools uh, we started back here in our Christian school, we started back on, on Thursday of this week, but most of the public schools don't go back till tomorrow. And because of that, you know, a lot of kids, because there's not a lot of pushing going on from parents, most parents of bus children, a lot of them are lost. And so they they don't get up and go to church, so these kids are kind of pretty much on their own. And when they've been out for a couple of weeks of school and got out of that routine, it's hard to get them up. But I really thought our buses today did a good job of bringing people to the house of God today. I want to congratulate all of our bus captains and workers and our drivers. I praise the Lord. I want to glorify the Lord for letting everything run well today and at least getting back and nobody got hurt, and that's a blessing. And I always pray every Sunday, God, mechanically, Physically, God bless our church buses, help our drivers to be uh, very cautious today, our captains, our workers. We had a good day overall on our church buses and, and uh, just a good number. We had uh, several people that got saved today, and, and that's a real blessing. I do want to mention this uh, while it's on my mind, but Brother Bodford, you know, is preaching at a church down in uh, Davidson County now, down at Lighthouse Baptist Church. They voted him in as a supply pastor. He texted me today and said they had maybe one or two got saved, going to join the church, get baptized, and, and we we'll to know if we had any waiters he could borrow. And I said, of course we do. If you're going to baptize, we'll, we'll get you some waiters. And, uh, but he's, he's doing good there. But because he's down there now, the truck stop is open. And uh, so there's nobody preaching at the truck stop now. And so if there's any man, wife, husband, wife team, and uh, if you'd be interested in going and taking that truck stop ministry, we'll, we'll set you up with everything you need. And, uh, and to get you started, you know, get some folks to go with you, whatever. But if anybody in here would feel that burden, that'd be a real blessing. We want to reach those truckers, you know. I still remember Mays Jackson and the old truck. In fact, it goes, I, I remember him saying, uh, uh, broad, uh, let's see, from coast to coast and border to border, Broadcasting for Jesus presents the Truck Drivers Special. You remember that? Oh, you all remember that? You used to come on the radio all the time, and a Brother Mays Jackson had a real burden, seemingly, for those truck drivers, and so Brother bodmer has been doing great over there for years, but he's pastoring now, preaching down there, probably going to pastor. And so we need somebody to fill in over the truck stop for a while. So if you feel that burden and you'd like to take that over, I'll hook you up. We'll get you in touch with who you need to get in touch with and move forward with that, all right? Let's read tonight Psalms 126. As I said a moment ago right at the close of the service tonight, we're going to uh, going to ordain a young man into the ministry here, but look at verse number 5, all right? Psalms 126, verse 5. If you're familiar with the Bible, you are familiar with these verses. It says this, "...they that sow in tears shall reap in joy." Boy, that is a great promise, isn't it? "...they that sow in tears shall reap in joy." Now. To us, that's kind of an oxymoron because tears and joy in the same sentence, that don't seem like it goes together, does it? But the promise of the Bible is that if we sow in tears, we reap in joy. I didn't say that. God did. You say, Preacher, how's all that work? That's up to Him. I just believe it tonight, don't you? Now look at verse 6. He that goeth forth and weepeth. There comes those tears again. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Another great promise of the Word of God. And I want to use these. Just stay with me. Let's pray. Father, bless your Word tonight. Thank you for the good singing by the youth choir and the Spirit of God and a great crowd on a Sunday night. Thank you for letting us be here And I pray you will speak to us tonight. and God, that people may catch the vision, the challenge tonight of this year. And Lord, that many people would feel the same burden that I felt. Help me, help us, help our church this year, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, every year at the beginning of the year, I really, maybe a few weeks before that, I try to open up my heart to the Lord For me personally, God, what do you want me to do in this coming year? And then, of course, being a pastor, I also want to pray for our church. God, what do you want us to accomplish this year? My prayer is at the start of the year uh, that God will just burden my heart as an individual Christian and God will give me some direction for our church family for us to move into as we start off this brand new year. Well, about two or three weeks ago, I began to think about this year and what the Lord wanted me to do. And let me just stop and say that I'm not the most spiritual rock in the bunch, so I don't want you to even think that I heard some kind of an audible voice and and got to cold chill bumps running up and down my back and the lights started flicking on and off. But I do know this. God put a specific burden upon my heart for the year 2020. Now, of course, if you're a member here, you know we just celebrated 100, year, a 100 years anniversary and a ministry here in the city of Winston-Salem, and I thought we had a great time last year all those revival meetings and all those special things that we did. You know, we rejoiced last year and we reminisced and remembered and we cried and, and we laughed and we were, you know, just overall, just grateful for all that the Lord has done for us in 100 years of, of the ministry and history of Woodland Baptist Church. And I want to say this right, hope you'll understand this, but we're kind of proud in the right kind of way. I mean, there's the wrong kind of pride, but I think there's also a a good kind of pride in in the right kind of way. We're kind of glad and proud of what the Lord has done here for the past 100 years. God's been good to Woodland Baptist Church. You know, there's not many churches that are 100 years old that that can make, and I want to say this word right, the boast, but make the statement that in 100 years of history, our church has only had eight pastors to pastor this church. And by the way, five of those were in the first 15 years. So you do the math, man. There's been three that's hung around for a while to the chagrin of a lot of people probably. But uh, God's blessed our church, hasn't he? But you know, and we had a great time last year. I think about all the things that we did last year. Thank God for those that were saved. Some of you are sitting right here in this service tonight. You got saved in 2019. Others were baptized, and others were, you know, have joined the church. you joined the church last year. And then there are others sitting here that man, you were out of the will of God, and man, I mean, 40,000 miles from where God wanted you to be, and God worked in your heart, and you got right with God, repented and got your joy back back in fellowship with God. God gave us a good year last year. And I just want to say again, I bless the Lord for his kindness and for his grace that he demonstrated for us last year. We had a good year. But now here's what bothers me. We didn't have a great year. We had a good year, but we didn't have a great year. You know, last year we took in more money last year than we have ever Taken in before in the history of our church, last year we had the biggest day in the history of Woodland Baptist Church. 31, 3200 people in one weekend, one Sunday, one Saturday and Sunday attended the services here of our church. I mean, man, we, we did some good things last year. But you know, outside of that, it's almost like we just took the year off. You know, just sat back and just enjoyed. 100 years of ministry at our church. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. If just one person got saved, it was worth every dollar. If just one person got saved, it was worth every service. If just one person got saved, it was worth every bit of the time. If just one person got saved, it was worth every mile that we traveled last year. But you know, the truth of the matter is, can I say this? I think everybody in here probably will agree with me when I say this. We could have done more. We, we did good, but we could, have done, we could have done better. You know, there comes times when you just have to readjust some things. And what better time to readjust, to reprioritize uh, uh, our lives than at the beginning of a new year? And that's what I want to do tonight. I just want to kind of, kind of just reprioritize. I, I want to say, thank God for 100 years, but now that's gone. We're 101 now. I mean, man, it's time to get back to it. You see, the truth of the matter is, as a church, our main function, our main mission for being on this earth is to win souls, baptize converts, and disciple believers. And, friend, the truth of the matter is, that's our job. And if we're not doing that, what right do we have to call ourselves a church? We took a year off, I, and, and, right, well you understand what I'm saying, but it's almost like we took a year off last year just to kind of have fun and talk about 100 years. We did all that. Okay, if that's over, it's time to get back now to refocus our emphasis of getting back to winning souls, baptizing converts, and discipling believers. You know, really, for me to make a statement like, like that, uh, you know, our church needs to get back to winning souls, it's kind of like this, saying, Delta Airlines needs to get back to transportation. I mean, that's kind of a give-me, isn't it? I mean, Delta Airlines exists for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to make money by providing transportation for people. I mean, their motto has been, their slogan has been for years, we love to fly, and it shows. That company is all about transportation. That's their main thing. For their CEO to stand up and say, hey, I'll tell you what we're going to do in 2020. We're going to get back to transportation. It's like, well, duh. I mean, that's what we're supposed to be doing Anyway. You know when you fly on an airline, and most time when I fly, it's usually with U.S. Air. I've been with Southwest a few times. But if you fly much at all, one of the things you realize is sometime during that flight, if it's a longer flight, they're going to stop everything. Those stewardess, uh, steward, stewardess are going to get that little cart, and they're going to come down the aisle with a pack of pretzels and a can of Coca-Cola. Am I right? If you fly much, normally you're going to get you a pack of pretzels and a Coca-Cola somewhere along the flight. But could you imagine Delta saying, you know something, we're going to major on pretzels this year. I mean, yes, sir, our main mission this year is to have the best pretzels in the airline business. You ought to fly with us, man, because we are going to major on pretzels this year. Can I say this? They're not in the pretzel business. They're in the transportation business. Can I tell you that I'm afraid that the church of the last days has gone into the pretzel business. Can I say that almost like we want to say to people in a lost and a dying world, hey, come over here and try our music. Come over here and listen to our choir. Come over here and try our programs. Hey, come over here and try our children's ministries. Try our Bible program. Hey, come over here and try our preaching. But can I just stop and say, when it comes to the main business of the church, don't misunderstand me. All those things are important, but they're pretzels. That's pretzels. Our main job, our main focus as a church is to win souls. It's evangelism, it's soul winning, it's baptism, it's discipling, converts. That's what we need to do as a church. 2019's gone. I won't be around here for the next 100 year celebration. Will you? Most of us probably won't. If the Lord don't come, somebody will stand up here and say, man, I don't know anything about this guy, but there's a guy here, pastor of this church by the name of Tim Gammons. He stayed here for several years. They finally got tired of him, put him in a U-Haul, rolled him off of here. There'll be something like that if the Lord doesn't come the next one because I won't be here, but i tell you what, bless your heart as long as I am here. Let's make the main business, the main business, not pretzels, but transportation. Hey, not singing, not preaching, all that's important. But hear me, hear me well. The most important thing that we'll do as a church in 2020 is win souls. That's the main business. That's why we exist. So God's put a burden on my heart this year. And I want you to listen to me for just a minute. Then I'm going to tell you how I'm going to do it. But God put a special burden on my heart. You know, I'm playing on the, the 2020. You know, any time you go to the eye doctor, one of the things you want to hear the eye doctor say is, your vision is 20-20. Now, I'm getting older. I'm 57 years old now, and man, i tell you what, I'm really starting to struggle with my vision just a little bit. I can see things far off pretty good. But i tell you, when it comes to up close, I have to have glasses now to, to read my Bible anymore because I, it just blur, it's just blurred to me. I can't read it. Uh, my vision's not what it, what it used to be. I can still see far away. We can go down the road, and I can still spot a stinking fly on a possum's back at 20 paces. But I mean, when it comes up, I tell my wife, oh, do you see that? See what, she says. You didn't see that? You didn't see that deer over standing on the side of the road? We got deer everywhere up where I live. And you, when you go down our road, going to our house at night, or especially in the twilight, you got to be careful because them crazy things are going everywhere right now. But, uh, and I say to my wife, do you see that? I can see great out but i 'm telling you I struggle to see up close it 's blurred. We all want 20, 20 vision. Well I want to cast my 2020 vision tonight you don 't have to go along with this if, with me if you don 't want to, but I want to tell you what God 's put in my heart for 2020. and I want to invite you if you want to to come with me on this journey. God has put it in my heart this year personally and i 'm telling you this. I don't want you to sit there and think, man, Brother Tim's bragging because I'm not. I'm telling you this because I'm making myself accountable to you. I got to thinking, you know, me and God could just work this thing out and you'd never know about it. And if I didn't do it, it wouldn't be no big deal because you didn't know about it. But I'm going out on a limb tonight. I'm making myself accountable to the church. I've already called the men in my office, the men at work here, and I said, okay, I just want to tell you all, here's what God's put on my heart this year, and here's what I think you all ought to do as well. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't say, y'all can if you want to. I said, here's what I think y'all ought to do as well. So I called him in and I said, okay, here's what God's put in my heart this year. For me personally to lead personally 20 people to the Lord this year and baptize all 20 of them. 20, 20 vision. So, so my goal this year as a Christian, I, I want to I wanna get 20 people saved. And 20 people in the baptistry this year that I personally have led to Christ. Now, I'm not talking about around the altar here at the invitation. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about outside these four walls. Hey, I'm talking about in the, in the highways and byways, in the highways and the hedges. Man, I want to get out this year and make myself, put myself out there, and I want to try my best. Now, you pray for me now. You say, that ain't many. Well, be more than I did last year. Here's what I wanted. I told the Lord, okay, Lord, 12-12 vision. He said, it ain't 12-12, it's 2020. I know he said that to me. You remember a couple of years ago and I said, God's laid it on my heart to baptize 250 people this year, and you looked at me like I was dumb in a box of rocks. Remember when we did that? We baptized 271 people that year. Well, I want to tell you something. God's put it on. I know he has. Again, no lights, no goosebumps, no audible voice, but in my heart... God said this year, boy, 20, 20. You get 20 people saved. You get 20 people in the baptism, uh, in the baptistry this year. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Why we ought to be about all that. The reason we ought to be about all that is because, listen, time's short. I mean, once again, I don't know if they're right. I, I listen to Channel 12 News. But you probably heard him say this, we're on the brink of war. You know, we took out that old boy over there that's killed over 600 American citizens. We took him out. How many thousands of people he killed in the Middle East? Just a ruthless man. And we got a bunch of stinking sorry liberal Democrats saying, man, i tell you what, why'd we do so? My question is, why ain't we already done it to start with? We're on the brink of war in America. Well, I tell you, if we're on the brink of war, we better be winning everybody we can. Time is short. The days are few. The night is far spent. And if we're ever, ever going to win people, we've got to do it now. Maybe you don't want to do 2020. Maybe your vision would be 1-1. One, one. Say, preacher, 1-1 one, one, more than you did last year. I'm just saying, man, catch the vision. Understand, this is why we're here. This is why God hadn't already come and took us home to heaven. This is why God's left us here. We must be about our Father's business. The very first recorded words of our Savior in the Bible, the first thing he ever said in Luke chapter 2 at the age of 12, wished you not that I must be about my father's business. I'm telling you, man, brink of war or no brink of war, election year or no election year, we've got, we must be about our father's business. And our father's business is bringing people into the family. And if we're not doing that, we're not doing our father's business. Can I have an amen? Twenty-twenty. The 2020 challenge. Twenty people down the aisle. I want to introduce to you, boy. This is—I know it's crazy. I told the Lord it's crazy, but I'm going to try my best to do it. I like that 12-12 vision myself. One a month—that's pretty good. Now I'm up to almost two a month. But I want to introduce to you 20 people this year that I personally led to the Lord, and I want to get up there in that baptistry and I want to say, "Here's a man. Here's his wife." Boy, I'm praying for some big families. Big families. If you know some big families that aren't saved, give me their name and address. Look out. I'm go- don't give them to anybody else in here. Just give them to me. I'm after them. If you know somebody's got eight or ten in their family, bring them here. Right after service, come up and see me. I'm going after them this year, but I've already got some folks I want to go after. I'm tired of fussing at these backsliders that ain't going to do anything for God. <laughs> I texted about 12, 14 people last night. Then They didn't answer me, so I text them back again. And I asked them, hey, so and so, will you come to church tomorrow? I got personal with them. And I think about three of them showed up this morning. Because I tell you something, I'm tired of fussing at backsliders that ain't going to do nothing for God. I think I'll go out and find me some new ones. <laughs> Let them backslide, and I'll start fussing at them. 20-20 <laughs> challenge. Now, I guess the $10 million question is, preacher, how in the world are you going to do that? Well, I want you to join me in this text tonight because I think, if you'll follow me, there is a foolproof plan right here in this text on how to reach 20 people and baptize 20 converts that you personally have led to the Lord. Will you think about it? Will you pray about it? I mean, for me to stand up and say, man, we're going to be in the soul-winning business this year, that's a gimme. We ought to always be in the soul-winning business. Let's look at this. Look at verse 6. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. So here's what I'm saying. I'm going to take God at his word. I'm going to do what verse number 6 says, and then I'm just going to have to leave the rest of it up to God. Look at verse 6. It all starts, I've I've got five words here, but it all starts, number one, with a going. Notice this phrase, he that goeth forth. So in other words, if I'm going to reach 20 this year, I'm going to have to go after them. It's wonderful to pray for people. And by the way, we ought to pray for people. And it's a good thing to come to church and say, hey, I know somebody that's lost. Pray for my lost loved ones. That's wonderful. And we ought to do that. But I'm going to tell you something. Along with praying for them, we're going to have to get out of church and go after them. Am I right? He that goeth forth. Now, the picture that I think is painted in verse number 6 is that of a farmer. He's got a seed back through over his shoulder, and he's headed to the field. He that goeth forth. Can I tell you something? Our mandate from our God in heaven as a church is to go forth, is to go. Our mandate as individual Christians is to go. Before God, before we got saved, God's word to us was come. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. God's word to you and to me is to come now. Come today. Today is the day of salvation. Come unto me. God's word before we're saved is come, but after we get saved, God said, Now go. Now that you've come, I want you to go. And the problem with the church of the last days is not that we haven't come. Our problem is we're just not going. Hey, man, we're not doing it. Can I tell you something? One of the most crazy things that we can do as a church is to sit around waiting on a harvest of souls when we've not been out planting seeds. It's crazy. Here's this old boy. According to verse number 6, he's gone out into the field. Listen, our problem is we're not going anymore, and we can't expect a harvest to come in if we're not going to the fields. Look at this verse right here. I know all the excuses. I've got them just like you. Look at this verse. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. You know what that verse says? If all you want to do is sit around and make excuses why you can't get in the field, you are never, we are never, ever Going to reap. The Bible said, if that, if, we're, if there's going to be a harvest, we have got to go. Can you imagine us going out to the country? We're on a dirt road, and we see an old white farmhouse sitting in the field. There's an old boy sitting out in a rocking chair. We park the truck, <laughs> amen. We park the truck, and we get out of the, dry, out of, the out of the seat, walk up to the uh, to the porch. The old boy sitting up there got a chaw a tobacco in his mouth, about this big, sticking out, sticking out of his mouth brown junk running out of the corners of his mouth. We look at him and say, hey, you a farmer? He says, man, you got that right. We say to him, hey, bet you're waiting on a big harvest this year, aren't you? Man, I'm waiting on a bumper crop. I can't wait to see what's going to happen in harvest. We say to him, bet you spent a lot of times in the field. No, hadn't been to the field. Bet you've sown a lot of seed. No, hadn't sown any seed. And we say to him, now let us get this right. You're waiting on a bumper crop. You're waiting on a big harvest. And you hadn't been in the fields. You hadn't been sowing the seed. You mean to tell us you're waiting on a big harvest? I'm telling you, it's crazy to think that people are going to walk the aisles if we're not getting out here in the fields sowing the seed. The Bible said in Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 38, the field is the world, and you and I are commanded, get out of our comfort zone, get out of the four walls of the house of God, get out here in the world, and go to where lost sinners are. The day, listen, the days, ladies and gentlemen, are long past when you could just put a church sign up in the yard back in the 60s and the 70s and say, you lucky sinners, just come on in and get saved. That's not going to happen in these last days. But bless your heart, I think a place where people have made up their mind they're going going to go and sow the seed. I think we can reap a harvest in these last days. It begins with a going, a going. Second of all, look at this. There's not only a going, there's got to be a groaning. Look again at our text, verse number 6, He that goeth forth and, what's the next word? There's got to be a burden. There's got to be a groaning. There's got to be a weeping. Boy, this is an unusual farmer. So here he is. He's thrown this seed sack over his shoulder. He's heading out to the fields to put his seed in, and as he does so, he's got a tear running out of his eye. You see, that farmer understands something that a lot of us don't understand, and that's this. Tears are important in reaching souls. And one of the things that's happened in these last days in our churches, we've lost our ability to cry. Somebody said this, the church of the last days is full of technology and empty of tears. Can I ask you something? When's the last time you wept over a soul? Hey, when's the last time that your heart was so broke for lost people, man, that you just couldn't help it? I mean, your heart was just heavy. It was just broke, and the tears just ran down your face over the condition of your lost boy, or your lost daughter, or your lost mama, or daddy, or best friend, or co-worker, and they were lost, and they were going to hell, and your heart was broke so much that the tears just ran down, streamed down your cheeks. I think this old farmer knows something that a lot of us don't know much anymore, and that's this. If seed's going to come up, seed's got to have water on it. If seed's going to come up, seed has got to have water on it. Brother, somebody said that uh, the curse of our generation is an unbowed head, an unbended knee, an unread Bible, and an unbroken heart. Hey, when's the last time your heart got broke over lost people? We've lost our ability to weep. There's something about tears that touch the heart of God, there's something about tears. I mean, when God's people begin to weep and begin to cry, it's just something about our tears that touch the heart of God. When old Hezekiah pre- he got the news that he was going to die, in Isaiah chapter number 38, God sent a prophet in to tell old Hezekiah, Hey, Hezekiah set your house in order. You're going to die. You're not going to live. The Bible said Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall, and he began to pray, and he began to weep, and it wasn't long until Isaiah 38, verse number 5, I believe it is, The Bible sent the prophet back in there and he said, hey, go tell Hezekiah, hey, I've heard your prayers and I've seen your tears. Look at that verse. I've heard thy prayer. I've seen thy tears. Boy, there's just something about God that touches his heart when we weep over souls. Brother, there's got to be a going, but there's got to be a groaning. Would you pray for me that God will touch my old hard, calloused heart and give me tears over over lost people? Would you pray that for me? Would you pray that God would so break my heart over lost men and women and boys and girls that the tears would just flow down my cheeks over the lost condition of, of people in this world? Jesus wept over sinners. Paul wept over sinners. When's the last time? You wept over a sinner. I remember vividly when people used to cry about lost people. I remember the first church I ever pastored was Walters Grove Baptist Church. I stayed there about 10 years. and we had, a, we had the color of carpet that's about the color of these red flowers. It was kind of a burgundy color of carpet. And I remember this old boy's name was Tony, and I won't call his last name, but he got saved. He'd come out of a wicked life, and his wife got saved as well. And I mean, when they got saved, they, just, they started coming. I mean, it just clicked with them. I mean, they were just faithful. Every service, they were there, and Tony got a burden for his mom and his daddy and his. I mean, he's just a wicked family, and he got a burden for him. And he started to leave every every invitation. He would come down the aisle, and he would kneel at the altar. We had one step, like the step, and then another step, and you were on the main floor. And, and when he would weep and pray at the invitation, when he would get up, there'd be the the carpet about that big would just be dark where he wept over his mom and his daddy. You know what happened to him? His mom and daddy got saved. His brothers and sisters, one by one, and their families started getting saved. You know what? It's going to take a going, but it's going to take a groaning. He that goeth forth and weepeth. And then notice this, verse 6. It's going to take a giving. A giving. Look again at verse 6. He that goeth forth and weepeth. Then here it is. What do we give? Precious seed. Now, we're not left to wonder what the seed is because over in the Gospel of Luke chapter 8 in verse number 11, here's what the Bible said, the seed is the Word of God. Now, I know in our day we got people who want to dissect the seed and we got people who want to doubt the seed and we got people who want to deny the seed. But can I tell you something? Our job is to get the seed out into the world, into the field, the lost heart's of mankind. Can I tell you something? The seed will still get the job done. Trust the seed. There's life in the seed. It seems so unlikely. Here's a little old shriveled up uh, seed and you plant it in the ground and you think nothing will ever happen but a little rain comes and you walk back out several days later and the first thing you know, here and there, there's a little shoot coming up out of the ground and the first thing you know, there's a stalk, there's a plant growing and the first thing you know, there's life coming and there's corn and there's ears of corn and there's beans hanging on the vine and it all started from a little shriveled up seed that was put in the soil and a little water fell on it. I'm telling you, there's power in the seed, friend. My daddy, before he died, this was several years ago, my daddy gave me a pack of Blue Lake green bean seed. I plant gardens. I have three gardens. I've cut down. This year I only had one because the stinking deer are killing me right now. I need to kill them but they're killing me. They're killing my gardens. But anyway, so I cut down to just one big garden this year. And so right at the end, after I'd planted everything, I had just a little bit of space left in a row, and I thought, I'm, i I got to put something in here. So I went and got them. All, and now my daddy's been dead for three years. That bean's been laying in the carport probably for four years and just a pack of seed. And I thought, well, who knows? So I went and planted them crazy things. I just planted them, finished them out the row with that, that old sack of bean seed that Daddy had given me. And, and, and I planted them, and, and I thought, they ain't going to do nothing too old. And I went back out there several days later, and can I tell you something? The best row of beans that I had this year was from that old pack of seed that my Daddy gave me. It was unbelievable. We were, my wife was canning beans, or not canning them, we were freezing them, but she was uh, constantly picking beans and, and uh, going through all that, the process of getting them ready for the freezer, and then guess what? We lost every bit of because the freezer got off. <laughs> Shut up. We lost. I had the best corn patch that I've had in years. We probably put up, I don't know, maybe 50 bags of corn this year. I was so excited about that. She probably put up 50 bags of green beans. We had, man, we had our freezer was full. We were so excited. I was working outside one night doing something. Threw the breaker on the freezer. I didn't even know it till we went out there about a week or so later and got the smell and something. And we lost it. Please feel sorry for me. My wife said, "You idiot." I said, honey, I didn't know it through a breaker. What am I supposed? I'm not an electrician. We lost everything we had in that freezer. We sure did. Please feel sorry for me. But I tell you what, we had a good garden this year. But the reason we did is because I got out of the lazy boy. I got my seed. I headed to the field. I got on my tractor. My wife said I looked like that guy on Green Acres. Because most of the time I'm plowing in a, in a shirt and a tie like old Oliva on Green Acres. And I'm out there sitting on my tractor, plowing in fields. I get off the, fi- off the tractor and I sow my seed, covered up, pray, for, dear God, send some rain. We had the best garden we've had in a long time this year. Even, even though the deers, we had to share it, we still had a good garden. You know why? Got out of the lazy boy, got in the fields, planted the seed, prayed for the rain, and guess what? God gave the increase. Now, if God will do that in my garden, if I'll go this year and I'll groan and I'll give out the Word of God, it's not my opinion, it's the book, it's the gospel that changes men's lives. And if I'll do that, why in the world can't God do the same in the harvest of souls? There's got to be a going. There's got to be a groaning. There's got to be a gifting. Number four, there's going to be a gladdening. The Bible said he shall doubtless. Boy, I like that. Doubtless. In other words, if I follow this, I can't fail. If I'll do what God said 20, 2020, are you kidding? It'll be 40-40. Don't, don't take me serious at that one. I'm just preaching now. But it can happen. God said, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. You walk out there to that old farmer. He's sitting on that porch. It's, uh, it's October. We say to that old boy, hey, did you work hard this year? Man, yeah, look at these calluses. Man, was it hard work? Man, I sweated like crazy. It was tough. But I tell you, when it pays off, when the snow starts to fly. You reckon we're going to have any snow this year? Man, we've got to have some snow. I mean, y'all need some snow. We got to have some snow. It's snow cream time, friend. Can I tell you something? I'll tell you what blesses my heart. Of course, it ain't going to happen this year, but wait till next year. That's what, that's what the Cubs always say wait till next year. <laughs> but anyway, can I tell you, listen, you let the snow start flying. It's, it's three deg- degrees below zero, and nobody's going nowhere. And your wife said, What do you want for supper? I say, Why don't you get out some of that corn we put up? Some of them green beans. And she makes a big old pot of soup or something out of that. And you sit there and the snow's flying, nobody's going nowhere, and you just eating on that. Can I tell you something? I sure am glad I got out in them fields. I sure am glad I worked. I sure am glad I sweated. Hey, I sure am glad that I spent hours out there working and trying to keep the, the bugs and the birds and the deers, and I, I've labored in those fields. I'm glad, uh, you know, when it gets winter time. Can I tell you something? When we stand before God, we'll be glad that we did our best to win others to Jesus. I, I'm, I'm going to jump this. We're done, but can I say this? Would you like to join me this year in the 2020 challenge? Hey, what about it? You say, Preacher, I can't do 20. All right, what about 10? You say, I I ain't sure about 10. Can I tell you this? What about one? Would you do it? I'll tell you what we'll do. If you'll you'll get one, when I get in the baptistry to baptize them or whoever does, we'll make a big deal about it. I'll tell you what, if I get them, I'm going to make a big deal out of mine. You better know. Every time I get through, I'm going to say. (laughs) You wait. Hope you all know some big families. 2020. Let's do it. Bow our heads for prayer. Father, I pray.